Brother, how you doing? I can't complain. Um, life is interesting right now, but um, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'd say the same. Uh, it's been a very interesting week because I've had a few occasions to just rethink the kind of life I'm living right now. Um, my pastor asked me to support with some of the, the youth activity that's going on now that the kids are on summer holidays. Mm. So I popped into the church on Monday afternoon and Wednesday evening to just, yeah, work with some of the kids and see what they're up to. And when I got there, um, one of the uh, youth leaders was like, oh no, pastor didn't tell you, you're in charge. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I was a bit surprised by that and when you get a bit of information, you start to think to yourself, okay, well, I can juggle this. I can move that around. I can maybe uh, spend a little less time doing this activity and then maybe do this at night or maybe get up a, a bit earlier and do this and that. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, when am I actually going to sleep? So I'm at that point right now where I'm starting to think about, okay, well, what is really important to me? What can I drop and what can I take on? Um, I haven't accepted this this new role yet, but it's definitely something which I'm thinking about and seeing if I can actually work it into my my week or whether I'm going to have to apologise and say, you know, I can't do it. It's it's a deep discussion. It's something that should be shared here and delved into because there are so many aspects which will relate to our listeners, but also something that we should delve into deeply offline mm. um i think you're right to deliberate over it because it's something which should be meditated on and prayed about because it's a great responsibility and it's one which will take more time from you than you imagine because you have to start sh shepherding the flock um and preparing yourself for it to pour out into others it's it's, it's, it's an amazing thing truly amazing thing but it's a whole life change and i think it's one which you need to consult with the maker but also consult your partner because it is a lifestyle shift and she's got to be all for it because i don't think either of you will completely comprehend what it entails you're yeah you're, you're absolutely right and the worst thing you can do in a situation like that is do a bad job uh, and underserve people. So it is something which requires, I think, a lot of thought. And even if you've got the best will in mind about doing it, you have to be honest about how good a job you can do. Is it better to get 50% of you or 100% of somebody else? Mm. Or is it better to get and a specific allocation of time with you rather than the full job role. This is it. So we've spoken about um, building a team previously, and this shouldn't be the same because this is spiritual. However, if you can only get someone really, really strong for three or four hours a week, and they're honest with you, off the bat that I can only do three or four hours a week of this, live contact time, excluding all the prep time, I can't actually do that full-time job role, which you're advertising for 16. It's better that they're telling that straight away. So then you can deliberate as to whether, okay, do you incorporate that person and someone else? 
and when I mention building a team, I think that's one thing you're definitely going to have to do. Um, being part of a similar, uh, being in a similar role, if it wasn't for the team there, I wouldn't be able to cope. Even with a team, there are times where we're just drained. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big decision and I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, thinking about it. And yeah, I, I could listen to you talk about this right now uh, because I feel like I'm getting free counselling. Um, but yeah, as you said, one for offline. But I guess to the people listening, there are definitely a lot of synergies between this conversation and some of the challenges that you face when being an entrepreneur, which is how best do you allocate your time? Anyway, enough about me. How about you? How's your week been? How has my week been? Um, two highlights of my week. One should have been a tragedy, um, but isn't. And I, I would like people's, definitely your take on why it hasn't been a tragedy. So my MacBook died yesterday. Um, and when you're part of the cult of Apple, that is a significant death in your family. Um, it it yep. died on me. <laughs> I was there when it died. It went and I tried to resuscitate it. I, I tried Talk to me. hard. Tell me, tell me about how it died. So what was I doing? It was something work-related. Um, yesterday morning, something work-related yesterday morning. And I tried as hard as possible just to resuscitate it. It just went blank. When I turned it on again, a gray screen. So, so our tech nerds were able to explain this and understand what I'm saying. A, a gray screen appeared with the folder image and a question mark just flashing. So I started doing my... Um, resourceful, independent research on my iPhone. Just plugging that to emphasize how much I'm sucked into the Apple cult. And <laughs> it was just explaining how it's most likely your hard drive. Your hard drive is most likely fried. It's not reading your hard drive. It's the human equivalent of them not being able to see your heart in your body. Like it's just not there. Mm. <laughs> um and I decided then and there, yeah, I'm going to go to Apple to see if they can resuscitate it. And if they can't, I'll have to purchase a new one. Now, saying this to my wife whilst planning the day, um, she logically said, well, have you booked an appointment? I was like, no, 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 no. Apple and I, we've got history. We go way, way back. Like, we I, connect, I, yeah. I just roll up and they do this. Um, I've done it before. Um, <laughs> and thank God I was able to actually be seen within an hour. Apple are amazing. Stood you are in, very lucky, by the way. I stood in the queue. You are very lucky. <laughs> I stood in the queue, social distancing, before everyone's being tested. Guy approached me, um, quick diagnosis of the issue, looked to see if there was an appointment available. There was an appointment available within the following hour. I thought, okay, wonderful. I'm going to go and return a suit that I got um, on a sale for £40 because it's just, just horrible. Middle class life. That middle class life. <laughs> hey, middle class life. Hey, middle class life. What? I'll be back soon. Um, Apple are brilliant. They didn't overpromise. Um, the appointment was meant to be at two. They sent me a text message at 1.40 saying, we're ready for you. Rolled up. Spoke to a wonderful gentleman called Harrison who took me through everything that I wanted to know. And it became apparent very quickly that I couldn't resuscitate. It died and I needed to purchase a new device. So it was either a MacBook Pro, a MacBook Air or the new iPad Pro. Now, this is my beef with Apple. I think we spoke about this previously. Yeah. Apple have mastered selling you things you don't need. 
Now, the iPad for me was always a large iPhone. Now, what they've decided to do is to create an, a more powerful iPad, which can connect to a separate keyboard and can sit as if it looks like a laptop to compete with the MacBook laptop. It's, it's just variations of the same thing. Yeah, this is their, this is their competitor to the Microsoft uh, Surface. All on a makes a lot of sense but after an hour of grilling them um, yeah I just purchased a MacBook Air but I realised in that moment that I've lost all my data so here's the other interesting aspect of my week I've lost all data for the last nine years think about that folders um, files images work documents business documents um employees personal details pay slips everything gone um time machine wasn't available hard drive completely corrupt and i haven't lost a wink of sleep now if you had threatened me 48 hours ago with destroying all that data we may have thought um <laughs> but now that it's gone it, it just means nothing. And I had that moment, I'm, I'm a reflective person, I thought, what does this mean? It's, it's gone and I don't care about it. Do I actually need I think it's a it? few things. It's, it's, it's very interesting that you felt that way. I think it's a few things. Um, first of all, I love your um, breakdown of your Apple experience. Apple are very good at making you feel valued and um, making their products feel almost like extended family members mm. i lost i lost a loved one last year i lost a macbook last year it died on me um and it was it was heartbreaking i I'm went sorry. i went through the stages of grief and mourning um and so in fact it's still i still have it in hopes that one day it will be resurrected almost definitely um one day um it, it, it will be back to life I, I i do hope i i i can see it i can see it clear as day i will not give up hope on on on, on it coming back to life but obviously but within the same day i purchased a new one um and it it wasn't an easy thing to do because it's i just i didn't have money lying around to be buying a new macbook mm. like that but i just needed to be able to operate with a new I couldn't not have my laptop. I could have potentially bought a different brand, but as you said, I'm sucked into the to, to the Apple cult because it connects to my phone and I've got an iCloud, etc., etc. Um, so I understand the, the process that you went through. Some people will probably be looking at you like your laptop died and you got a new one straight away. Well, Necessity. unfortunately, when you when you do run a business you need to be able to to engage with your business at any time. And there's only so much you can do on your mobile phone. Um, so yeah, it was a necessity and it's one that it's a business expense, if not anything else. But oh. the other element that you that you raised, sorry, you were going to say? Sorry, you just made me think whether I should charge it to the business. Oh, no, continue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. Oh. Continue. Middle class. Hey, anyway. Um, uh, the, the other thing is just the idea of losing all your content and not losing a wink of sleep. Um, 
I would argue that some people would lose all of this information and then have a better sleep. Um, oh. Because when we go, around, go about our day-to-day lives, I think we've got so much in our minds that are unnecessary, that are taking up space. It's almost like when you think about your house after you've had it for 10 years and it just develops clutter. Clutter that you can't throw away, but you're never going to use. So you'll pick up this uh, shirt that you bought back in early 2000s, this uh, uh, Elise top, and it's currently hanging in your overly crammed wardrobe and you pull it out and you say i'm not going to wear this but you can't bring yourself to throw it away Mm. um you've got a toaster that you bought uh five years ago that no longer works and is currently sitting in a cupboard and for some reason you just haven't thrown it away because uh, maybe you'll figure out a way of fixing it and giving it to your son one day when they need to move (laughs) to university um but all of this stuff just kind of builds up in your house and then you're like, okay, well, this, I'm just completely filled with all of this stuff. And it's not that you're consciously thinking to yourself, um, you know, what am I doing with this toaster? What am I doing with this top? But it just creates clutter in your environment, which affects your state of mind. And it's interesting because as soon as you clean your room or as soon as you do a clean out yes. of that closet, it just feels a lot more freeing maybe the fact that you can see things clearer maybe the fact that you can now prioritize what's important and what's what isn't in a in a more easily accessible way it just makes you feel at ease and when you go through into a room that just looks tidy and you know there's nothing stuffed under the bed or behind the the headboard um, it just makes you feel at ease and you have an opportunity to start again all of the important things that you own are going to be kept safe. Yes. Now you have an opportunity to actually revisit some of those things and start again. One other element is your folder system. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, the way I actually store documents, when I start with a new laptop, it's so pristine. It's okay, I'm going to have this folder. I'm going to have this folder for this category. I'm going to have this folder for my admin stuff. This folder is going to be for images. This folder is going to be for um, important documents. And then after five years, you've just got, you you look at a a, a folder and it's, you know, it it just says uh, 27. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, it's got a random word. You're like, what, why did I even create this folder? What is in there? But you can't delete it because you might be deleting important stuff. But this is your opportunity to start again with a fresh approach. Um, And yeah, you know, I I think for for many people, this is freeing because it's an opportunity for you to kind of free yourself of all of the stuff that was weighing you down that was unimportant. And to start again by prioritizing the things that actually do have value. You, You are so right. Everything. To the point where I now have three folders and possibly two documents on my whole laptop. And I feel so proud. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually excited to acquire more folders, but at the same time, I'm proud at just having three folders. What, mm. what you're saying reminded me of a Netflix documentary, which I think I watched early lockdown, uh, called, I think it's The Minimalists. Um, 
And Netflix have a few of these documentaries, a few of these programs which are very niche, but are brilliant. And every so often I'm discovering one. And I think, how didn't I come across this before? I, I recently sent you one. We'll talk about that at some point because the listeners need to tune into that one. Um, but The Minimalists are about two gentlemen who decided high profile, did extremely well in terms of their um, professional lives, um, worked in corporate America, had the corner offices. But then life tragedies occurred and they decided to go minimalist. I think one of them got divorced. And I think the other one lost his mother, I believe, to like a terminal illness. And they, they just decided to sell everything. So all those things that they'd painstakingly acquired, the expensive furniture, everything, they got rid of it all. And they lived a very simple, plain life, i.e. realistically, I don't need more than four forks, four knives, four spoons. That's all I'm gonna have. I've got this amount of shirts. They, they, they wrote a book and they travel across America telling their story to conventions, people who are paying to listen to them to see whether this life is attainable. And they carry their wardrobe because it's in a suitcase. And they're coming across people across the world who are doing the same thing. And they, they, it's, it's very hippie-ish, but they sound so liberated. And then they showcase like minimalist ways of living, which I really am akin to. I hate clutter. That's just where my wife and I are just butt heads. Because we, we were raised by professional hoarders. I've rebelled. She's conformed. So we're just clashing. <laughs> For me, if it's not used, we don't, we shouldn't have it. If it can't be stored somewhere safely, we shouldn't have it. If it is stored somewhere safely and we don't access it in a year, we shouldn't have it. But, yeah. Sorry, can I can I stop you there and ask you a question? I, just because I'm going to make a very broad generalization, but you know who cares? Listen, it's all against all. Is there something about immigrant families? Yes, I'm Nigerian. Yes. My mum's Nigerian. Um, my fiance is Caribbean, and Growing up, everybody's house was just full of random clutter. Like yes. we were just hoarders. There was always yes. too much stuff in the house. Yes. Like I remember going through a cupboard when one day when I was moving, uh, moving a house with my mum. I was putting her in a new place, and I just found two unopened kettles. <laughs> And I just didn't get it. I was just wondering why. So she had her kettle, which she had used, which she'd been using my whole life. Um, but in, there was just this closet with two unopened kettles in it. And I had no idea why she had them, why she hadn't given them away or sold them or whatever. And it was just the most random stuff. We had um, uh, bed sheets and blankets which must have been the same age as me, yep. still being stored in bags. And I just couldn't understand why this stuff hadn't been thrown away. What is it, do you think, about maybe some of our families, maybe first-generation immigrants? Um, it's the just-in-case mentality. And it comes from poverty. Um, mm. we, we can laugh about it, but we, we see it everywhere. Um, I was recently at my wife's cousin's house 
her, my wife's cousin's mum's house, or my wife's aunt's house, sorry. And she was exactly the same. Now, this is a, a, a Caucasian woman who was telling me, you know what, I've got stuff in my basement that we could use for this activity, but we won't be able to get it out because it'll be like an hour just to clear it out. <laughs> Speaking to her daughter, her daughter's just reaffirming exactly what you said. It, it's the just-in-case mentality. It comes from a place of lack where we keep everything just in case we might one day need it or our children might mm. one day need it so we don't have to purchase it again. Not realising that wear and tear, um, technology advancements, just trends and fashion. I, I've got a, a memory just come to my mind now of when I was possibly six, seven, and my mum, my biological mother, trying to give my older sister a leather jacket and trying to tell her, like, this is the in thing. You need to wear this. And it must have been either hers <laughs> or something that she got from a charity shop. And my sister was like, no, <laughs> why on earth am I going to? I currently have a suitcase in my shed of my mum's belongings. I haven't even opened it. Now that suitcase has migrated from my brother's house to my house because we're just paying past the parcel. We're just housing <laughs> her crap <laughs> for whenever she one day wants to use it. It's unfortunate, but it is a sign of where many of us are slash have been. And we do need to mm -hmm. liberate ourselves. We need to just clear the clutter. Because as you were saying, you think better. As, as a child, I yeah. couldn't work in a, in a messy room. If my room was messy, it was an external representation of my mind state. I had to tidy up mm -hmm. first. And I, I don't think they create that connection between productivity and just order. Like put yeah. your house in order. And then other things will eventually be triggered to be put in order. But you're trying to put those things in order, i.e. your job status, who should marry your daughter, your um, economic, your uh, immigration status, whatever it is. You're trying to do those big things, but your kitchen's a mess. It's, what you said really resonates with me because it links to uh, something that uh, a guy called uh, Jordan Peterson kind of pro uh, promotes on a regular basis. He has a statement, which is clean your room before you change the world. Mm. Um, and you might argue that, okay, well, the world needs changing. So why would I worry about the state of my house or the state of my room? Uh, but it's a metaphor because tidying your room isn't an easy thing to do. And I don't mean just making it look presentable actually going into your room and pulling out all of the unnecess unnecessary clutter in that environment could take you a very long time. Um, and also going through the kind of self-awareness to understand why you hold on to things yes. and not throw them away yes. takes you a very long time. And understanding how you can get to a point where you have a presentable, ordered environment allows you to, to then be in a better position to impose order on the world. Agreed. Why would you be trusted to provide or impose order on the world if you can't do that on your own life? Tweet it, people. Tweet it. Is that is that hashtagable? That that is, is that is that Instagramable? It might be too long like for the it. kids out there, but I think those still on Twitter. They could do it. Get involved. 
get involved. Hashtag expensive lessons. Welcome to expensive lessons, by the way, everyone. Oh, yeah. People are listening. <laughs> People are listening. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, that, that idea of tidying your room is, is a you know, very simple metaphor. But I think it holds a lot of weight because why is your room a mess? What are, you know, what, what is your value system if your room is a mess? Is it not important to have a tidy environment to work in? And also, if you don't have pride or um, a willingness to address the clutter in your environment, how are you going to apply this same, you know, approach, this same skill set to the wider world? I think it's so, so important that people do the, do the self-analysis, self-awareness to actually understand some of the little things before addressing some of the big things. Definitely. Um, the other thing that you mentioned about kind of this minimalist way of living, which I think is really interesting, is just the idea that this is, this is how things should be. In that the fact that we now live in a world where you can accumulate enough material possessions that could fill a double-decker bus, that is abnormal. We live in a world which makes this abnormal. We weren't designed to carry that much stuff. Each person could fill a double-decker bus with their stuff in the West. It's crazy. And I think our brains haven't developed to, 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 to deal with that level of understanding. Um, our emotions aren't developed to, to, to deal with that level of responsibility. Um, and also, when we have that much stuff, our attention is being pulled away from what is really important to maybe things that are more trivial. I'll give you an example. Um, I have recently bought a new oven. And it's a very nice oven. It's got these, it's got like 17 different settings on it. Um, and it's a really interesting oven. You've got a timer on it, etc. Um, the previous oven I had, it the, the dial that told you what the temperature was, was rubbed off. So you didn't even know what temperature you were using. Now, I used that oven with no dial on it to make um, Ever jerk thing. chicken, to make um, cheesecake. I made banana cake. I made ribs. I made everything with that oven. No problems. But now I've got an oven with 17 different settings with chrome finish grates and everything looks pristine. I remember finding myself looking at a dark spot on the oven because some grease had dripped down to the base of it, which meant that the gray finish that the oven had now had a black splodge on it. And I spent about half an hour scrubbing that clean. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? This is the material world that you get sucked into yeah. because most people's ovens right now are black and it's not black because they came black. <laughs> it's black because <laughs> over time, you just let those burnt things stay there. It, it adds to the, 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 the ambience. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it generally, it adds to the experience. Like it, it, it's... It just ensures that the heat stays <laughs> on, on top of the roast. Listen, I'm buying it. If that's the excuse I need not to clean it, then I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it. 
I mean, and there's so many different examples Like you buy a new countertop for your kitchen and you're worried about the first scratch that happens on your countertop. You're worried about actually handling it. Well, you should just use the countertop for what it's for, which is it's there for you to drop things on, to put food on, to, to, to chop things on, etc., etc. Um, yes. But when you have all of these material belongings, then you start becoming concerned and worried about it. I think to myself, okay, well, how many things now do I own? that need charging and how many of them are absolutely vital yep. so i've got wireless headphones that need charging you just got a new pair of ed- earpods yeah i'm using them right airpods now. yeah i'm using them right now now they're now, uh, it, something that i would never purchase um but they're brilliant and because apple have sucked me into it they're free by the way with the macbook air um when i do break them i will scour the internet to find new ones Yep. Unfortunately, I've been sucked in. So Apple just sold uh, some, some crack, or not even sold, they gave you a free sample of crack, and now you're a fiend. Take. It's like the... the take the, the, take the, my money. The, the free samples that you get um, if you go through, like, Chinatown. Like, take take some. You're like, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. No, 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 take some. You're like, oh, I'm all right, I'm all right. And then you realise you're around company... The wife is there and she takes some and she's like, oh, this is kind of nice. And you're like, you know, we're running late. You, you, you have some yourself. You're like, oh, this is not too bad. And you look up only because you're enjoying it and you realize you're standing outside their restaurant. And, and he's like, come, we have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's, and then you, you, you get sucked in and you're a new customer. But, but these are the things and you become, you know, uh, burdened by all of these possessions that you have so now you've got something else that needs charging i've got wireless he- uh, headphones that need charging there was nothing wrong with my previous headphones that just plugged in to my um that, that plugged into my phone never needed charging but now i've got wireless ones and all of a sudden they need charging my clippers just broke so i broke my clippers mm. um over the weekend and i need to get get some new ones and I was literally going to go through the same pair of clippers for anyone who doesn't know I've cut my hair I've been cutting my own hair for the last 10 years and I swear by the wall super taper amazing clippers um so I was I was going to literally go and buy the exact same um brand exact same product wall super taper amazing set of clippers but then it turns out that the wall super taper has now got a wireless premium edition what do you think I did? Yeah. You had no choice. Let's just... That's, that's the argument that I'm taking to court. You're forced into this decision. <laughs> but it's something else that needs charging. Um, and I've got a wireless mouse that needs charging. And not to say that these things aren't helpful and they're not useful... But how many of these items, if I lost tomorrow, would truly devastate my quality of life? None. None of them. The truth is... And I think we all know that. I think we all feel that viscerally, that these um, products aren't actually products that we own. In some instances, they own us. Mm. Like these products are calling out to us, charge me, clean me, spend time on me, wipe me down, you know, and as a result, your time and your effort 
as a consumer is being sucked into the maintenance of things that you've purchased to work for you? I imagine the criteria is if you were broke, 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 and I'm mean, go back to that point where you were really broke and that item physically broke, would you be forced to replace it within six hours? Because if you have to, then you need it. I needed to replace my laptop. It, it wasn't a discussion. There was no thought or time to be annoyed by the fact that it broke. It did its job. Um, salute to Apple. You gave me nine years. It was a great relationship. I would have liked a few kids out of it, potentially, you know, some inheritance. Actually, I've inherited the iPhone and AirPods. But yeah. you, you did a good job. So I, I can't be mad at you. But if it's those wireless headphones, if they break, am I replacing them in six hours? No, I'm not. I'm sorry. It's not happening. And I've seen some of these very minimalist people who, who you know, hold down jobs, etc., and they can fit their whole lives in a backpack or a small suitcase. And I think it's, it'd be very interesting to interview one of these people and ask them to justify their ownership of each product. And I'm sure one of the things that they will have in common is that every product doubles up or triples up. Most definitely. If I can only have three pairs of trousers, one of them can go to a wedding, an interview and to work. Yep. But I, maybe if I, I bring this back to expensive lessons, why is this an important discussion to have? Why is this mindset of being minimalistic valuable to the people listening? Mm. Why have they kind of sat through us pontificating for the last half an hour or so, um, wondering what is the key takeaway here? No, for me, there are several reasons. One is at any point, it could all go. And if it does, and you're left with your suitcase, can you come back again? My brethren, Steve Jobs, was kicked out of the company he started. Don't even get me started on how I felt for him. <laughs> if you are brought to your knees, literally bankrupt, hashtag Trump, and you had the decision of either starting again or wallowing in self-pity and choosing to hollow out um, Safeways, Morrison's, Amazon, you know, the new slave trader. Which do you do? Because at any point we might have to go back. We, we've spoken about this often and it's the phrase, okay, I can go back. Yeah. I don't want to, but I can. If you're hit by hard times, there is a worldwide pandemic. Your sales have gone down by 80%. You have staff who you're not, are no longer able to employ. You are now having to go into debt, not even savings. Are you able to reverse your lifestyle to accommodate the new budget? Bro, you're making such an interesting point here. So one thing that I'd like to raise with the audience is that you'll hear me and Afalabi joke about being middle class on a regular basis. Now, these are not compliments. These are insults. When we talk <laughs> about being middle class, when we call each other middle class, we are actually insulting each other. Because yeah. for us, middle class is a pejorative. It's disrespect to call me middle class. So, but we use it because we see how our lifestyle has changed. And in other words, when I call myself middle class, 
I'm calling myself soft. Yeah. Um, and I was having this conversation with my fiance earlier this week, because as I mentioned, I was going through the process of renovating my house, middle class. And as a result of renovating my bathroom, I was without a bathtub for quite a while. And as a result of renovating my kitchen, I didn't have a cooker, which meant I was cooking using an induction hob on the floor and I was bathing using a bucket. Good times. And I was telling my fiance about how annoyed I was at how I had to do that and how angry I was at myself for being annoyed Mm -hmm. because it made me feel like I was losing the hunger that I used to have. And at how 16-year-old Abby would look at me, you know, feeling sorry for myself for having to have a bucket bath, saying, you've changed. You're not the same person you used to be. That hunger is dying down. And I think it's very difficult to explain. I don't think everybody understands it. But I think for me, I know that the hunger I had has got me to the place that I am now. So losing that hunger may mean that I don't necessarily have the resilience for me to overcome some of the challenges in the future. It's the Bane line. Victory has made you soft. Victory has made you soft. It's brilliant, and but it's so true. Okay, people might laugh at us. Okay. I remember the custard cream days like they were yesterday. I remember my debit card being rejected for a £1 pizza. Yep. <laughs> and the pizza shop was free. <laughs> Please explain the custard cream days. I don't think we've told the audience about mine and your custard cream days. Oh, listen, that was luxuries. Ben and Jerry's? Yeah. Custard creams. (laughs) Flashback. College days, 17, 18, um, wearing striped hoodies, Nike Adidas head to toe, trainers, which really should have gone in the bin a long time ago, still being recycled. Um, pouch, that was, those are the pouch days. The pouches are slowly coming back, but we had the pouch. We had the pouch. Walking to Tesco's because the fast food joint was a little bit too expensive. And lunch would have been, if we had money. <laughs> yeah, if we had money. Um, but maybe a pasta pot or a tuna sandwich, custard trims, yeah. and a fizzy bottle of water, which at that time cost, was it 19 pence? It was something ridiculous. It's like a twenty nine pence. Twenty nine pence. So the whole meal itself could you could get it under like one fifty. It was under a pound. Was it under a pound? It was everything was under a pound. We're doing so well. custard creams were thirty five p. The drink was um, the the drink was twenty nine pence, and the pasta pot was like fifty pence. Now this was the cheese and tomato pasta pot. Hmm. If you wanted to upgrade, there was a £1.25 pasta pot which had char-grilled chicken in it. Yeah, I, I couldn't let go of that one. That's why it was one fifty for me. Yeah. 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 And that the, the meal was under a pound. Now, what we do on some occasions is I would go for the 29p fizzy water and the custard creams and save the remaining money so that by the end of the week, I would have enough money to buy two pieces of chicken and chips. Good times. And that would be my lunch. And those are the good days. Sometimes it's just custard creams. The... And we're sharing a bottle. Those are the good days. Yep. And, for, and somehow I managed to play two or three games of football in the evening 
um, fueled by only custard creams and flavoured water. Mind you, that flavour water was sugar-free. It didn't have any sugar in it, so I don't know where I was getting my energy from. <laughs> um, but yeah, custard creams alone and enough to, to play two or three games of football. Um, so yeah, once again, with that in mind, when we call each other middle class, we are insulting each other. Uh, because that's literally the the origins of a lot of our ambition. Exactly. So that's one of the benefits. And that's one of the reasons why we're having this conversation. Can you become minimalist? During those hard times, which can and potentially will come, can you revert back to a lifestyle? And can the people around you revert back to that lifestyle? Can your spouse refer to that lifestyle? Because that's a huge challenge. Can your kids... We've spoken in the past, Abby, about how we need to artificially create struggle for our children. We used to walk for 40, was it 45, 50 minutes? 45, 50 minutes, yeah. Easily. To get to work. We could have hopped on a bus, but we couldn't afford that. Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't afford that. And I, after that walk, would get in my car in the later days when I was driving to then drive because I refuse to pay congestion charge, drive back home for another 40 minutes. One, can you revert back to that period of where you were fed on aspiration and vision? Can you revert back to that period where you were fed on sheer desire to try to improve the quality of your life? Two, acknowledging that human beings are consumed by materialism and acquisition rather than being, which we definitely need to speak about. How might your brand fit into that? How might your brand potentially fit into that? It's a situation where there are people who are willing to pay for the new iteration of anything. Are you iterating with your brand? Are you going out now with what you have or are you opting to wait until it's perfect to then give them the 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 masterpiece instead of doing what major corporations are doing which is giving you variations each and every year it's a very important question and i think a lot of people are going to find themselves being tested in their entrepreneurial career there are going to be ups and downs and there are going to be points where you've actually got uncomfortable paying yourself a decent salary. But the only way that your business is going to survive is if you cut that salary in half. Yes. Are you willing to do that? Are you capable of making a decision like that? How might people be able to benefit from consumers who want the latest iteration of everything. We've spoken about Apple and the fact that I have the option of the MacBook Pro, the MacBook Air, the iPad Pro, which for me is a larger version of the iPad, which is a larger version of the mobile phone. But the consumer wants this. And as entrepreneurs, this is something which you can leverage on knowing that they want the latest version, latest update, latest iteration, latest design of the same thing, in essence. Well, people like new tech. And 
are willing to experiment with new tech, even if it doesn't necessarily add very much value to their life. So for example, we've seen the suggestion that, you know, there, there was no real benefit to Apple removing their jack, their 3.5 millimeter jack, headphone jack, and then replacing mm. it with their, you know, lightning cable for everything. In actual fact, that made things a lot worse. It made things a lot more difficult. But the sleeker design as a result, maybe the fact that it looked a bit more minimalist, quote unquote, kind of added to the prestige of the brand, which meant that, you know, people were interested. And then when it comes to food or fashion or um, uh, hair and beauty, there's always a new trend that people are jumping on. So, you, for example, you see, you may see when it comes to food, charcoal has become an ingredient that people are using in everything. Not just food, actually, but food and beauty. You can have charcoal uh, burger buns. So these black burger buns, which the only thing about them is they're black. So it, it provides an interesting look. Or you can see charcoal toothpaste. So black toothpaste, which has become really popular. You know, avocado for a period was incredibly popular and everybody was putting avocado on everything. You mm. had a period where popcorn was incredibly pop popular yep. and you had all of these different flavors of popcorn. So I think there is a an interest from the consumer to be involved in the latest trend and wave. And me putting on my psychologist hat for a moment... I think it just allows us to connect with people. I think when you are involved in the late, latest trend, you feel like you're connected to the, the the big society push that's going on. You feel like you're involved in the 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 key bits of information that everybody else is is engaged in, which makes you feel like you're part of a community. Yeah. So for me, that makes sense. Uh, and there are many ways that you can take advantage of that willingness to be part of a community. If you look at Apple as our case study, which we, ha we are doing, the amount of forums there are online for Apple products is ridiculous. Like when you're looking for information, you can see so many people who are setting up forums to talk about a specific part of a new Apple product or a specific version of the Apple product. And what that does, once again, is create that element of community. So for your products and service uh, or service, uh, Mrs. or Mr. Entrepreneur, developing that community around your product and then throwing new iterations of that product into the ecosystem mm -hmm. will just create a buzz where people are willing to talk about it and yeah. also creates that level of brand loyalty where people know there's going to be a new product or a new piece of tech that's coming out. You know, when it comes to uh, beauty products, there's always a new ingredient. You remember Asia saying that there's always a new ingredient in beauty products, whether it's aloe vera, whether it's tilapia skin, whether it's <laughs> cucumber or mint. There's always it's these different Exactly. And I think people are just willing not only to try something new because they're curious, but to try something new because they can experience it with the wider community and talk about how they experienced it versus how other people have experienced it. Definitely. There's definitely that interest in connecting and not wanting to miss out. And often businesses have the call to action, but just listening to it, 
I think some of the more successful ones have a call to expectation, a call for expectancy. So we know with Apple, we, we're, we're trained to expect new. Um, when I mm. connected my AirPods, which even now just sounds very strange just saying AirPods because it was never an option in, in terms of my preferences or interests. But when I connected my AirPods to my iPhone, I was shocked by a notification which suddenly said, oh, um, now because you have a MacBook Air, you have qualified for higher <laughs> resolution pictures. So, so, so you mean to tell me that my <laughs> iPhone, which is a few years old, had been capped in terms of the camera quality because previously I had an older MacBook, but now because I've got a newer MacBook, I can take higher resolution pictures. One, I should be insulted, and I am. But for others, I know that that would be a, oh, yes. Okay, let me try yeah. start testing this out in terms of selfies. Um, Apple are like, well, yeah, we're not part of social media, but we're part of the cloud. Those selfies are going to the cloud. And we want you to yeah. continue uploading as much data as possible. That so serotonin hit when you find out that you've just been given extra value. So one of the things that we talk about on this podcast is always strive to add value. Mm -hmm. And in some areas, it's a trick. It's a sleight of hand. It's a magician's trick. It's like yes. when you sawed a lady in half and then you put her back together, you never sawed her in half in the first place. She was always one, but, you know, people had their emotional roller coaster of, oh my gosh, she's cut in half and now she's put back together. Yeah. Tesla are also very good at this where they will say, okay, well, let's build out the best possible products that we can build. Then let's make it worse and sell the worst version for cheap. So that if somebody wants the best product, they've got to give us more money. So the Tesla car, for example, has every Tesla car has all of the um, software capability that it needs to do everything that a Tesla car can. So yes. you might have seen that some of these Tesla cars can do dance moves and some of these Tesla cars have got um, advanced sat-nav capability, all of that type of stuff. All the Tesla cars have that. But if you're buying your basic version Tesla, you're not getting this. You have to pay extra money for them to actually go on their computer and press a button so that you can connect to your advanced capability, which is incredibly um, mischievous or, or, or uh, maniacal from, yes. from their end, but also incredibly effective because people can then have a tiered experience with the brand at no additional cost to Tesla. One product, diversified, divided. And you can you can have some of this cake, but how much of it do you want? All of it's gonna cost you. It's brilliant. So it's, it's a tough question. It's a tough question as to, you know, what can entrepreneurs do to emulate this? And the answer is, it really depends on your product or service. But there are so many ways that you can provide a tiered approach where you can update or innovate from uh, time to time. Um, and the question for you is how can I make my products different from what people were getting last year? Actually, I'll, I'll rephrase that slightly. How can I make my product better than what people were receiving last year? Remember, better is subjective. People to this day are still arguing that the iPhone 5 was better than the iPhone 6. 
But I just but I doubt there are many people who still have an iPhone five. I just shake my head because I'm just not that much of a consumer. Um, and I think that. But you have, you have full blown wars over these discussions. Yes, um, I know. And the question is: is can you emulate that for your brands? So can you create a level of competition between your own brand? So when people are arguing that the MacBook 2019 edition isn't as good as the MacBook 2017 edition, Apple aren't upset about that. (laughs) Apple are saying this is free content. People are talking about our products online. And the best thing about it is people are going to try for themselves. So that they can get involved in the conversation. Exactly. Not so that they they can can experience the products. But this is it. And this is how Apple, I think, have done a really interesting job because people actually are now at a point where they will buy products and then complain, but they enjoy complaining. And I'm one of those people. To this day, I still complain that the 3.5 millimeter jack has been stolen from me. (laughs) Why do I still then have an Apple phone? Why do I have an iPhone? If I'm upset by the fact that I don't have a 3.5 millimeter jack. It's because there is some benefit that you're gaining from actually being able to have this conversation. We're not ready to rebel. Not enough. There are not enough individuals. And thus, if you have done your effective market research and your market is still growing, even though there are several players within that field, there is still enough space for you. So there's a couple of things I think we can finish on in terms of key takeaways for the the audience that have listened to us and go on a stream of consciousness. I think the first thing is around minimalism and decluttering your life. Ask yourself the question, are all of my belongings, whether they be material or virtual, are they all absolutely necessary in my life? And would I actually be better off if I got rid of some of them. And what benefit could I get if I made a start on decluttering my life before I went on to overcome some of the significant challenges that I want to to try and address in the world? And then the second question is, how can we take advantage of people's willingness to hoard, willingness to collect, Willingness to be consumers year after year, even if there isn't a massive need. What can we do as businesses to encourage people to come back to us every year or every month for a different product or a different iteration just because it addresses some innate response, serotonin hit that they are trying to achieve? I'm I'm a consumer. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about how Apple have got my pound for the rest of my life. (laughs) I'm just, irrespective of how I feel as to whether I am a high roller in terms of spend or I'm economical in terms of spend, because I value, value and execution, they prove that to me on each and every occasion. I go to them with a level of expectancy. I should be able to go to your brand with a level of expectancy. 
I go to them knowing that customer service is impeccable. That's it's really one of my pillars. Will your customer service always be impeccable? I go to them knowing that if there is a fault at any point, they will look inward before they look outward. They will look at themselves and what they can do to remedy it prior to pointing the finger to me. Will the same thing occur when your customers complain? Because there are many entrepreneurs who do not believe that their customers will complain. Good luck to them, boy. Minimalism. The way forward. That's a good point to end on. Thank you, bro. It's been an interesting one. Slightly different from our typical kind of forays into to structured discussion, but I really enjoyed it. I did because I think this is life and we, we have to acknowledge that we are consumers as well as producers. And once we review how we consume, we might be able to tweak how we produce. I consume based on need, but I want value. Do the listeners, prospective clients or customers have the same thought process where they're only going to come to you when you have proven value, worth? And how can you ensure that you get them to think that they need it? And they probably don't. What did you take away from this episode, listeners? What what are you thinking? What are your questions? What would you like to share? We are two directors who like to go off on tangents and discuss things that we think are important. Um, we like to delve into some really practical discussions and even some really philosophical ones. Um, we're always going to be here to share the fruits of our, our labour and talk you through our successes and failures um yeah this is the expensive lessons podcast have a great week take care everyone